Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, it is Monday morning and that means we kick off our expert series of the week with Greg Dickerson. How you doing, sir? Good, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Uh, In case you guys don't know it, Greg has his own playlist on this channel. Uh, So go ahead and check those out. We have been talking about the real estate market, residential, commercial, opportunities, building, all of that stuff for many, many months now. So go check that out. Uh, Greg, I'm curious, as we we start the last Monday of June, right? Mm -hmm. We will be in July. That is, that just, that crushes me. We are going to be in the second half of 2020 on Wednesday. Yeah, it seems um, like, you know, it was just March just the other day. It's amazing exactly. how fast this whole like quarantine, lockdown, all that has happened, you know? Yeah, yeah it's been over 100 days. It's, it's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Um, I'm curious, um, when you look at the second half, um, let's, let's talk about what we would recommend for others, right? We both talked yeah. to lots of new real estate investors. For the first half, for most people, it's been a wash, right? They, they were scared. They were nervous. They didn't take action. Why don't we talk about first, what kind of action can people take in the second half? And I don't necessarily mean buy something because maybe now is not the right time, but I think the right time now is to learn. I think that's what the next six months mm-hmm. need to be about. What, what do you think about that? And what would you recommend? Yeah, so interest rates are an all-time low. So, you know, depending on what you're after, it's, it's still a great time to buy if the deal and the economics make sense and you have to drill down deep mm-hmm. and really underwrite at, at, the, at the very intimate level of who the tenants are, where do they work, what does their employment situation look like in relation to the overall economy and where we're going. You know, somebody asked me today, um, earlier, I was on the phone with one of my clients. He's like, well, how do we, how do we get through this? How do, we, yeah. how do we finish coronavirus? You know, how does that, how does that happen? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, until you get a vaccine and a treatment and it works its way through the population, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, and what's the real effect of that? As you can see right now, we're in July of 2020, you know, we're starting to see companies, you know, shut back down again. Some states are restricting uh, operations of uh, bars and restaurants again. So, you know, I don't think we're going to see a massive shutdown like we did before, oh, but yeah. you're going to see companies closing on their own. You're going to see restaurants closing on their own, which is happening, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So we're going to be limping along, like we've said all along, till you get a vaccine and a treatment, um, you know, all bets are off, right? So what I would say is interest rates are really good right now. So if the deal makes sense, you know, um, you know, definitely, definitely move forward. Definitely, you know, if you're in the rental game, you know, probably 40% of the housing in the United States is rental housing, mm-hmm. you know, so, so it's going to continue to trend upwards. Uh, there's going to continue to be a demand, especially single family home rentals. Oh yeah. You know, those are, those are high demand, you know, people want space, they want room. Um, you know, so I wouldn't be scared to do anything, but I would watch interest rates. I would watch, you know, inventory levels. I would yep. watch net migration. The number one thing you mm-hmm. need to look for in a, in an area is net migration, meaning you need less people, uh, leaving that are moving in. And if net migration is on a positive trend, everything else is going to fall in line, jobs, income growth, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, a lot of people drill down real deep in all yeah. these different economic indicators about target markets. Yeah. At the end of the day, you need net migration, you know, growth. Yeah. That's really, everything else will su- support that. Well, let's talk about net migration a little bit. Uh, I don't know if there's, do you go, where do you go for that? I mean, you just type in Google search net migration, Virginia, or I mean, what do you, what do you do when you look for that? 
Yeah. So yeah, you could type that in and say uh, positive net migration, you know, states in the U.S., you know, or you can type in, you know, what state has the highest net migration, you know, uh, in population. And then you'll see Florida, Arizona, Texas. I mean, you'll see the big three come up, you know, and then all the other little areas in the southeast and, you know, Midwest that kind of pop up along with it. Yeah. And I think, I think, again, I think that's a great, great one to look at. And again, I think we're seeing that in real time today. We've been talking about for at least the last 45 days, a couple of big cities, vertical cities, right? New York and San Francisco, at least for residential, uh, they're going to see a negative migration, right? People Mm -hmm. are going to be leaving for lots of reasons, employment, taxes, uh, you know, space is good. Vertical is not good. Uh, I think that's a great find. And, and uh, I think I would coach people to look that up, right? If you're going to research a market, look at the migration pattern. So I think you're yeah. right on that. That's the key. And, you know, the big cities are losing people. I don't know if it's enough to make any kind of a significant impact. You know, there's just so many people in New York, you know, I, I just, it's, you know, that city's not going anywhere. San Francisco. I mean, the big cities aren't going anywhere, yeah. but there are, there are people leaving for the suburbs and it, it is a oh, trend, yeah. but it'll be the it a big t- enough trend to, to make a dent in the city. I don't know, but it's a big enough trend to affect housing around it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing to watch. Yeah. I mean, to put that another way, right? The big cities are very dense today, whatever they are, right? Number of people per square foot is very dense in in New York and in San Francisco. You just take a haircut on some of that and you throw that out to the suburbs, which aren't dense. It really impacts, especially when supply is so low. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for residential stuff, so uh, yeah, again, I think I think the single family home is is the asset to research today. It's it's it gives you the most options. It has the cheapest debt. It's fixed rate debt for thirty years. If you choose that loan product, it doesn't it doesn't reset in ten years. I think um, I think residential is the place to be today. It's a place to research. I think there's just too many unknowns. No price discovery in commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, as we sit here in the middle of 2020, I think commercial is going to provide great opportunities, but it's, it's next year, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a while, you know, all that has to work its way through the system and, you know, the banks are in no hurry to take stuff back and sell it for pennies on the dollar. Cause they're yeah. already, as we saw the reports come out, mm. you know, with what the fed did, yeah. you know, allowing, you know, this new, the Volcker rule to go away, allowing banks to now, yeah, you know, scary. speculate and do some things. Um, you know, that, that is an indication of where a lot of these banks stand. They're not as healthy as they're reporting to be. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw it, but I think Thursday was the stress test mm-hmm. and, and the big six banks, uh, let's just say didn't get a passing grade, right? Cause they're going right. to get reinspected this year. It used to be a yearly exercise. They're going to get hit again and they've been capped on dividends and capped on stock, stock buybacks. And, and now the weekend conversation is which one's the weakest. And the answer mm-hmm. by most people is Wells Fargo. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Fed's behind everybody. So yeah. it's not going to be 2009. They're not going to let these banks fail, mm-hmm. you know, especially right now. And, uh, you know, so, again, we talked about it last week. You know, the Fed is there ready to buy all the junk that nobody wants and all the speculative plays, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just recycling the capital. So if you're a hedge fund manager, Mike, and you go out and you buy a bunch of junk, overpriced junk, let's just make it real estate, okay? Let's just say you went out in your area in San Francisco um, or Fresno, and you bought all of the real estate you could buy that was double, you know, over the value, way Mm -hmm. overpriced, double the value of what it should have been. Mm -hmm. And you went ahead and did it anyways, because you know, you can, you know, resell that to the Fed, make a profit, recycle your capital and keep doing it. That's what's going on. Oh, you know, all these phones so are wrong. selling the junk to the Fed. 
the Fed's putting money back in our hands to go keep doing it again. Uh, so uh, it, it's really interesting. That's why the stock market's up. It's got nothing to do with fundamentals. It's got nothing to do with growth. I mean, you're seeing a resurgence everywhere in the country. Most areas, my state's fine. I'm in Virginia and, you know, we, we don't have any kind of an increase of, of cases or infections here. Very cool. We're not testing like a lot of these other areas, but, you know, we didn't have a problem really to begin with when, when we shut down. We weren't that far, you know, we weren't on an upward trend like a lot of these other areas. So yeah. uh, it's really interesting, you know, what's going on. But commercial, uh, you know, that right now is being propped up. It's going to continue to be propped up. Um, and there's real, real struggles out there like Kmart, Sears, you know, holding with, with the Kmart yeah. bank. There's a couple of properties I was looking at and, uh, you know, it's, it might be a year or two before anything can be done with that because of the bankruptcy process. Yeah. So, the workouts and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It might be a couple of years. Yeah. And I don't know, I just saw it this morning. You probably didn't have a chance to see it, but, uh, you know, the fit, the FHA or whatever the uh, lender is for, uh, commercial backs, they've come out and extended the forbearance period. So it mm -hmm. was going to expire at the end of July. For multifamily yeah. assets, they've now pushed that out till October. So um, here's a big one. So mortgage forbearance is on the rise again. So yeah. that, that's increasing. It's only about 9%, you know, of the mortgages that have entered into a, you know, payment. Did you just program. hear yourself? Only 9%? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's mind boggling. But yes, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you would think it would be a lot more, right? You yeah, know, with what's yeah. going on when, you, when you measure unemployment and all that. So to me, I think that's, that's pretty good. Okay. Now here's the kicker. Um, this $600 bonus of unemployment is supposed to expire in July. Yeah. So if they do not extend that and they let that expire, now you're going to see some real issues start to hit the economy in terms of people not being able to pay rent, being able to pay their mortgage. You'll, so you'll see those things. So in terms of, you know, your first opening statement, what do we look for? Monitor that. So if you're in the residential market, especially, and you're looking for the right time to, to you know, maybe see some opportunities come around, once we get to the end of July, if they do not extend that uh, federal mm -hmm. bonus unemployment, that's going to create a lot of problems for people. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, in, in order, you know, being able to pay their rent, you know, do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. And um, yeah, it's, it's the, the, the economy definitely, you know, everybody's talking about V-shape, you know, Nike Swiss square root K, you know, I think a W is looking more and more likely, right? If you look at the whole... We open up, we lock down. We open up, we lock down. We open up, we lock down. Um, and that's not going to be good for small businesses. I mean, again, if we're a consumer-based economy, 68, 66%, whatever it is, and you're coming on and off this kind of pattern, how can a consumer have any confidence, right? Consumers spend when they're confident and they don't spend when they're scared. We've seen savings go up dramatically in this crisis. And if the consumer doesn't feel good, uh, they're not going to spend. So that's what I talked about the whole time is that, you know, when you open up, people will go out because they're tired of being locked down. Yeah. But at some point, they're going to start pulling back that spending because they have to replace the reserves that they have potentially, you know, gone through. Now, there's a large portion of the economy and, and the population that were not affected. Yeah. You know, you're only talking about 20 or 30% of the workforce only. Yeah. Know, 20 or 30% <laughs> you know, of, a, of a real unemployed, you know, workforce out there. Um, and most people are paycheck to paycheck, but you know, a lot of the upper end, you know, uh, jobs and white collar workers did not get affected. They were still, you know, they still had their salary. Everything was going well. Uh, but you know, I don't know how sustainable that is if we have any kind of a real contraction, you know, trying to get reopened again. And it's mostly the small stuff. It's the nail salons, hair salons, bars, restaurants, gyms that are going to be shutting back down again, retail. So it's a very small segment of the economy. 
But, you know, that small segment of the economy is the biggest driver of GDP because we are a consumer based economy. So it's an interesting dichotomy there. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm looking at this, right? When I look, what I've been looking at for 20 years is what's going on in the consumer's head. Again, it's mm-hmm. because they are my biggest competitor to buy houses. For May, they were overpaying for residential, right? We talked about a, a house that I would have paid 164, was listed at 200, it sold for 220, right? It seems, again, pending home sales up 43% that were just reported today. Um, but I don't know if we go, if this shutdown goes on and off, hot and cold, hot and cold, if, if they're going to stay as aggressive. It's, it is pretty scary to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, housing's still in demand. Inventory levels are low, you know, so as long as that, as long as interest rates are low and inventory levels are low, you know, that's going to continue to, to put pressure on the sure. housing market. And, you know, builders are, you know, they're all time highs, mm-hmm. you know, but they're very selective about what they're doing where. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that's another thing to watch. Watch what the home builders are doing because they're not just out there. You know, they know they all got burnt, you know, yeah. 2009 and 10. So watch the home builders, watch the interest rates, watch the inventory levels and watch the expiration of some of these programs, you know, yeah. with the Fed. And as we start to have issues again, you know, they haven't passed that next round of stimulus yet for businesses to be able to get the emergency disaster loans and things like that. You know, there's been a big bog down Mm-hmm. in that pipeline that's not reaching businesses in time, you know, to keep them open. So the only thing that really made an impact was the PPP, but you know, again, that's done, you know, so if you're shutting back down again, what do you do? Yeah, that's, that's actually one, one thing that I, I saw this morning. Um, there's a couple of California businesses that I was reading about today uh, that used PPP to get through mm-hmm. right, to now. And now they opened up, they were, they were, one of them was a restaurant. They were back to 90% of pre event revenue, right? So feeling pretty good. Like, okay, we're going to get through this. Now the governor has come out and shut them down again. It's like, well, now what do I do? I don't have my PPP loan to pay people. I don't know how long this is going to be. He's going to wait a week, but he may have to furlough everybody again. It's like, God. And here's the other thing with this happening. Some business owners are going to be like, you know what? I'm not digging in my savings again Mm -hmm. this time. You know, I'm just, I can only go so far. I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. So the real question is how do we get through this, you know, and when, you know, so, um, so we're going to see here in the next couple of weeks, you know, it's, it's week to week right now with the increase Absolutely. in the cases, what's the real effect of that? We know hospitalizations are up. They're not like it was, you know, in mm-hmm. New York and some of the areas, but it's up and the officials are saying, Hey, this is going to be a problem. But, you know, we don't know for another couple of weeks, you know, we we'll just have to wait and see if we have the same outcome as we did the first time in terms yeah. of hospitalizations, deaths, you know, things like that. And you have to expect that we will, you know, see that, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah. The other thing I knew I wanted to talk to you about given your background is class A apartments, right? Mm-hmm. Class A apartments, new development is often in the histories, the safest asset people say, right? And, and I mm-hmm. think the history points that out. I think it yeah. does. I don't know if we look, if it's 2022 now and we look back at 2020, I don't know that class A apartments are going to be, I think, I think, I don't know. It feels funny to say, but this time could be different. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I think the health crisis space is good. Also, the folks in Class A typically are the ones that have financial means, mm-hmm. and you could really see uh, you could see more and more folks get out of that Class A stuff and go buy a brand new home somewhere in the yeah. suburbs. Um, do you see that, or am I just am I taking my bias and reading too much into that? Yeah, I think it's going to be fine. You know, I think. Um, you know, they generally have more savings, more mm-hmm. ability to, you know, stay where they're at, be nimble, 
you know, what you're talking about is the fundamental shift between being an apartment renter and then buying a house. Yep. So, um, you know, that's going to happen, mm-hmm. but that's a constantly, you know, recircling, you know, recycling thing that's going on. You know, as people move out and buy houses, more younger people move in. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a continuous cycle. We haven't reached a point yet where there's been lack of demand in that nicer, you know, class A apartment, you know, okay. quality housing. So I, you know, I think we're okay, but eventually every class A becomes a class B mm-hmm. and a class C as it, as it gets older in some locations, you know? Um, and then there's a fundamental difference between your garden style class A apartment and, mm-hmm. you know, a high rise, a high rise in New York, yeah. you know? So, so those fundamentals will change depending on where the market is, but let's just take your suburban garden style, you know, class A apartment, you know, depending on the area, as long as it's a good area, you have positive net migration, you know, things like that. There's always going to be a demand for the nicer quality housing. And generally those, those higher end assets like that, you know, have the ability to refinance and reposition their debt Mm. and be much more nimble, you know, and be more competitive in their rents Mm. than, you know, the lower end housing that's suffering. You know, if you're a class C, class D, and Mm. you're losing tenants because they don't have a job, they're moving into weekly hotels, right? You've got nobody coming in behind them because class B, is not going to trade down to a C or D. They're just not going to do it. Not going to do it. They'll find other class B that they can trade into. Same thing with class A. You know, there's plenty of options, including renting houses, um, you know, for those. So the, so the ones that can be in real trouble, especially when this benefit expires are the class C and D. Yeah. Uh, And, and they were a little bit behind, you know, the class A's, but the government did a good job at, you know, helping support that, that level of employee. Sure. I guess the one thing I'm thinking about is, um, let's, I don't know what the number is today, but let's just say home ownership is 58% today. Mm -hmm. Let's just pick a number. I don't know if it's 58 or 59. If you look at this in 2022, do you think, do you think we have a higher percentage of owner occupants? You know, does it go from 58 to 59 to 60? Do we stay flat at 58 or do you think we go the other way and it goes to 56 or 57? You know, I, to me personally, I see a trend towards renting versus okay. ownership in this country. Mm. Um, I see more people wanting to rent, willing to rent, and there's more companies developing single mm. family rental housing. Yeah, stock. invitation homes. About, yeah. yeah, I'm not talking about multifamily. I'm talking about single family, yeah. which is what most people will buy. And then same thing with condos. You know, why buy a condo in the city and, you know, do all that when you can rent one, right? Okay. So, you know, pay taxes, you know, HOA fees, you know, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think we are a renter nation in terms of a trend okay. overall, because ownership doesn't make sense anymore if you can rent, okay. you know, and have the same, the same thing. So it just doesn't make any sense to own because you're not going to build equity. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to increase, you know, on your investment, you're going to pay down principal. So at the end of the day, you'll own something. For savings. You know? yeah. So yeah, but I've already done that math. I did a video one time. Uh, and calculated your down payment plus all of your taxes, insurance, maintenance, upkeep, all that reinvested mm-hmm. versus your principal pay down. And you'll make more money taking that down payment, all the expenses that you would pay in ownership, reinvesting that and getting an eight to eight to 10 percent return on that. Mm-hmm. That's actually a better investment than paying your house off. Very cool. So uh, you mentioned you've done a video on that. I'm assuming that's on your YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you tell us where that is? Because I'm sure lots of people are going to stop right now and go look for that. <laughs> yeah, it's Greg Dickerson. So my YouTube channel, just Greg Dickerson. And I think the title of the video is rent versus own, you know, or something like that. And I did the actual math right there and just kind of went through it. And, um, you know, it, it definitely, like I said, it makes more sense to reinvest the capital and rent than it does to put the down payment, take care of a property and, and pay it off. That's if mm-hmm. you're owning it, living in it, owner occupied. 
Right. As far as an investment goes, it's different because you have a tenant yeah. paying off the property. So the key there is you eventually refi all of your investment out. Mm-hmm. So now your return is infinite. Let the renter pay it off. So that's a different, that's a different animal. Yeah. This was simply owner occupied versus owner occupied versus rent. It makes more sense right now in this country to rent than it does to own your own home. Now, again, interest rates were a little higher when I did that calculation. I think they were like right at 4%. Sure. So if you're in the twos, yeah. <laughs> that equation might shift a little bit, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you just have to, you know, see and where that, where that is. I haven't seen the video yet. I will look for it today. Um, I'm assuming appreciation was part of your math. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm assuming, you know, with, with housing right now, I mean, you're really not getting appreciation you know, in, in okay. the rental housing market in general, you know, mm-hmm. we are kind of, you know, a little bit of a spike right now because of what's going on. Sure. But overall, you know, if you go, if you flash forward from 2009 on, we haven't really had impre- appreciation. We've kind of gotten back to where it was before it crashed. Got it. Yeah. So what I was looking at is, and I think I did this video earlier this year or last year, might've been last year, appreciation from here. Got it. You see okay. what I'm saying? So yes. where, yeah. where do we go from here? We, we, you know, from, from the 1950s and 40s when home ownership became a thing, yeah. you know, to now there's been tons of appreciation. But from here forward, you just can't go any higher other than interest rates, you know, and as interest yep. rates creep up, that, that whole dynamic changes. So yeah, that's, I'm looking at a wash in appreciation. Okay. Same thing on investments. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's good. And again, folks, his, his YouTube channel is Greg Dickerson. Uh, I am a subscriber. He puts out daily videos just like I do. So uh, um, I, all kinds I, of things. You know, yeah. one thing I talk about a lot in there is buying businesses. I think you ah, and I talk about yeah. that, you know, and that's, I mean, that's something to watch out for because as we get through this and as we're going right now, there's a lot of businesses that need help. They need mm-hmm. somebody who, and there's a number of ways to buy a business and, or, you know, um, get ownership in a company so you can bring your expertise to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, uh, you know, if you're just a fantastic business person, you can bring that to the table in terms of helping a business survive. You can do a capital injection. Mm-hmm. You know, you can help them reposition the company. Um, you can use your marketing skills, your sales skills, whatever. There's a lot of ways to get involved in businesses and buying businesses right now and helping them get through this and then getting to the other side and, and you know, growing it. Also rolling up businesses. So taking, yep. uh, you know, similar businesses that are kind of fragmented and bringing them together under one platform, creating value there. There's equity funds and investment funds that are looking for those types of things where you consolidate several uh, companies to create a larger transaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some opportunity there. So that's a big thing that I've been focusing a lot on because that's easier right now than ever before to, to get into a business or take one over um, in a good way, not, not predatory. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that I love when I talk with you is, is uh, you're, I think you're excited about what's to come, right? Because of the opportunity to help and grow. Um, which is just fun for me to see, right? It's a, it's a different skill set that I don't have on a different coast uh, and, and, and really a different skill set. So when somebody's looking at a business to buy, what are just a couple of things? And again, go to his channel to see his videos, but just a couple of tidbits people should look for. Yeah, so number one, you know, obviously, where does it stand in the economy? Is it recession proof? Is it pandemic proof? You know, is, mm-hmm. does it have growth? And what is your ultimate goal? You know, can you grow and scale the business just like you do a piece of real estate? You want to add value? you know, create value with a business, it's EBITDA, earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization, mm-hmm. and now EBITDAC, you know, earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization, and coronavirus, right? <laughs> so you got to look at, you know, EBITDA and EBITDAC, you know, when you're looking at a business and That's what's nice. it going to do post, you know, post-coronavirus, right? 
So that's number one. How scalable is it? What's the real need? How insulated is it against you know the the you know global economy uh, and and potential recession? You know, is it an essential business? Now that's a whole new topic that we yeah. weren't even looking at. That's you true. want to be in an essential business, and uh, if it's not essential, when can it come back and how? Um, and then how can you reposition it? So mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of different things that goes into into that. But any, at the end of the day, businesses are valued on their income, just like real estate. So that EBITDA is the same thing as an NOI, basically. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so you want to look at those types of things, and it might have real estate component that goes with it. It's got inventory, you know, FF&E, which is furniture, fixtures, and equipment. You got to look at that. So, you know, a lot of it depends on what you're looking for. You know, and you want to make sure that it's a business that if you don't want a job, you don't want to buy a job. You want to yeah. be an investor, a business owner. You want to make sure you can install uh, quality management and leadership, and/or help and and bolster the leadership that's there to continue to grow the business without you having to be there day to day. So, you know, those are some of the little things that you want to look at in terms of, you know, buying a business, taking a business over, you know, and what your ultimate goal is. So that's different for everybody. Very cool. The last question I knew I wanted to talk to you about today is inflation. And, and mm -hmm. I think we're obviously in a short term deflation, just given oversupply and things that are measured in CPI. But when you look out a year or two, are you in the camp that, you know what, inflation is just going to be a result of what we're doing? Um, is that kind of where you are? Or do you think we can skate by and stay sub 1% inflation for years to come? Yeah, I think, I think we're fine, you know, um, for, you know, for a while because the general population hasn't received any of this um, mm. money that's being pumped into the economy. It's all staying at the institutional level, at the corporate level. Mm. So, you know, the general population that is the consumer is not the beneficiary of all this, you know, quantitative easing that's going on at the federal level. So mm -hmm. that's the only thing that's going to drive real inflation. Now we're seeing it in food because of the supply chain. We're seeing mm -hmm. it in housing because of interest rates and things like that. Um, you know, but we're not seeing it at the gas pumps. I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not seeing it across the board in all of our consumables. And if we do, people will pull back and that will correct itself. So, okay. you know, uh, we just don't have you know, the money hasn't been pumped into the population. Yeah, you know, we're still trying to survive. So once we get back um, and get back to like we were, and we weren't seeing real inflation when the economy was booming from yeah. 2009 on. Yeah, you true. know, and again, that was all quantitative easing that, that did a lot of that. Um, you know, so I just, I just don't see how it's possible when you're struggling like you are. It just doesn't, it just doesn't seem like it, like it can happen. Yeah, okay. Very, very cool. We've, well, we've certainly seen acid inflation the last, hundred days, right? At least yeah. in the stock market, some in real estate. So it will be interesting to see if that ever unwinds, if, you know, actual earnings become important and things of that mm -hmm. nature. But <laughs> yes, it's going to, it's going to be interesting. Any closing thoughts, Greg? Yeah. So I'd say, you know, there's always opportunity in every market. Uh, you know, you just got to be smart and you got to make sure. So here's the big thing, especially with rentals. Okay. And here's what I'm telling people right now. When you're buying a rental property, you need to be okay with losing, um, losing value on that property. You're buying yes. cash flow. So when you look at a business and when you look at a property, buy it from the standpoint of what's the cash flow, mm -hmm. what's the sustainability of that cash flow? Is are these tenants going to keep their job? Is this business going to be able to stay open? Mm -hmm. What's that income stream look like? Forget about the value. Doesn't matter what you pay. Okay. You know, the the price is is permanent, but the debt is temporary. So when you buy something you know, now it can be worth more or less 10 years from now, but what's the income? What's that cash flow? What's the debt on that, right. uh, on that asset? So that's what you really want to be looking at. 
and uh, and be okay with it because we don't know where values are going to go from here. Yeah. And we don't know where inflation is going to go from here. But if you have that steady cash flow and you've got good long-term debt, then you're going to be insulated against any kind of an issue that could potentially happen down the road. Great advice. Advice I follow every time when I put a deal together. Greg, thank you very much for your time, man. This has always been fun. You have a wonderful Monday. Yep. You too, Michael. Thank you.